0: everybody, welcome along to another edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast special edition this week because we've got a great guest on the show, more of him in just a second. But firstly, I hope you're all well, thank you for tuning in and so far my New Year's resolution is staying true to get a Cricket Badger Podcast out every single week of 2020. Last year, Didn't quite manage it at times. This year I am determined to do it. So hopefully we'll uh, stay along those same lines. Trying to record them towards the end of the week. So that they're out maybe Sunday afternoon, Monday morning. I know a lot of people like to listen to podcasts on their way to work on a Monday morning. So hopefully that will tick the boxes and keep you entertained as we go through the rest of this year. Got some great guests, as I say, already in the diary for the coming weeks thank you once again to the experienced travel group who are supporting the podcast throughout the month of January if you are looking for a way to get to sri lanka in march and you want to watch some cricket but you also want to see the country fantastic country i've never been experienced travel group send me a ticket i have never been and i would love to go at some stage experienced travel group are exactly the company to take you there in march to see england play there's a couple of adverts in this show this week so jot down the details contact them and get yourself a Out there to follow Joe Root's boys taking on the Sri Lankans in March. But This week, without further ado, let's get on to the main event. Tatenda Taibu, the the former Zimbabwe captain, wicketkeeper batsman, was saddled with a hell of a lot on his plate at the age of 20 when they made him skipper of Zimbabwe. Never an easy country to captain. Always plenty going on off the field as well as on it. Tatenda was just a young lad when Henry Longa, one of our guests on the Cricket Budget podcast towards the end of last year, was uh, staging that black armband protest with Andy Flower. For the death of democracy in his country. We have a little bit of a chat about that, talk about Tender's career, his captaincy, and he takes on the Cricket Badger 20 questions. Great guest, some great answers along the way. So stay tuned, because Tender Taibout is a very, very good guest and a very welcome guest on this week's Cricket Badger podcast. So without further ado, let's have a listen to the former Zimbabwe captain of this week's Cricket Badger podcast. It's that Badger style.
1: Cricket badger fact file: Tatenda Taibu. former Zimbabwe wicketkeeper batsman, the youngest ever international captain, aged only 20. 28 Test matches, 151 day internationals and 17 T20 internationals. Highest Test score: 153. Highest ODI score: 107 not out. 177 catches and 43 stumpings for his country. Welcome to the podcast, Tatenda, Tibly, or tibba. Let's have a badger chat.
0: It's a
2: great pleasure on this week's Cricket Badger podcast. I welcome Tatenda Taibu, the former Zimbabwe captain to the show. Tatenda, how are you? I'm fine, James. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you, and I guess it's only the 10th of January, so it's not too late to so wish you a happy new year. When I invited you on the on the show to Tender, I had no idea you were living in England. I've kind of lost track of your career a little bit. I see your tweets, and I see you in, in sunnier places,
1: but I didn't realise you you'd put down your roots in this country. Yes, um, I'm now living in Liverpool. Um, I have been in Liverpool for... Maybe three, three and a half years now. My kids are attending school here. My family, or well, my whole family is here. But I do travel a bit. I go back to Zimbabwe maybe you know three, four, five times a year, and and do visit um, India several times as well, and um, and Sri Lanka. So you know the pictures that I probably say, uh, post are the ones um, you know when I'm in Zimbabwe and um, and in India. The sun does shine now and again in Liverpool as well,
2: isn't it? So it's, uh, it's not too bad. You're going to take on the cricket badge of 20 questions this week, and we'll start with the first one, which, as I always say, is the best place to start. If not cricket, where would life have taken you, do you think? If you'd, if you'd never held a cricket bat, put the wicket-keeping
1: gloves on, what would you have done with yourself? Our it would have been football, if not that, because I had to, you know, I had to make a choice between cricket and football when I was starting to, you know, to become really serious at one. And it was always a tug of war between cricket and football. Uh, however, if it was not sport, I probably would have gone in the line of, um, in the lines of accountancy, because um, I, I do love numbers. You like adding up your runs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who was the biggest?
2: influence on your career? Was, it, was there a person that had a real bearing on how you played cricket and m- maybe even chose cricket over football? Was there a person that was an influence in that way?
1: There are a few that comes to mind, but I'll probably pick the first two would be my initial coach, Steven Mangongo. You know, like I mentioned earlier, um, it being a tug of war between cricket and football, uh, he made sure that I was always at cricket because without cricket uh, practices, it was practiced every day, and it was from from two to five. So there was no, you know, there was no time for for, for any other sport. Now I say this um, because this is in Zimbabwe, where you can pretty much play sport all year round. You know, there was no uh, cricket season or, or or football season, though the matches were played during the winter. A uh, well, short winter, which you can still play cricket, and then cricket we played all year round. So um, he made sure that I would always be at the cricket at the cricket um, practices, and if I was not, if I did not attend cricket practice, I was in trouble with him. So I, I think I'll have to pick him first, and the second one would have be would be um, Bill Flower because he then uh, also helped uh, Stephen Mangongo to make sure that we were playing games. Um, all over the country. Now I'm talking away from the high-density suburbs where I grew up. Uh, we were then you been arranging matches for us and also coming to pick us up to to play matches against the group A schools and um, um, and even to you know some of the farms
2: What age were you when you decided to give up the football and, and concentrate
1: on the cricket? Then I was 11 when I made that decision. You know, because at that time we we started to understand that you know you could get a scholarship to a better school. Would you be picked as one of the four um, best uh, Group B uh, or high density Sebab um, players? And I was deemed to be you know one of those. And, and cricket happened really quickly for you, didn't it? I mean,
2: by the age of twenty, you were Zimbabwe captain. Talk us through in a nutshell how how you developed and how you came into. Playing professional cricket first and foremost and then getting to the
1: Zimbabwe side? I think my cricket, my cricket journey was uh, always, uh, I think from the time I made up my decision, my cricket journey was swift um, because I then, you know, made um, the Zimbabwe under 13, uh, going on to the Zimbabwe under 14. And I played for the national team or age group wise from under 13 all the way to the um, to under 19. Now, there was under 13, under 14. Then there was no under 15, but then under 16 was there. And then from under 16, there was um, under 19. But I played in all the years. So if I wasn't under 16, is it the correct under 16 age, where I'll be one year under age, I would make the under 16 team. And then when I was 15, I met the under-19 team, you know, and then 16, I met the under-19. So I played the, you know, the under-19 uh, the under-19 team for three years. So that was happening, you know, quite quickly. And even before, you know, just after I met the under-19 side uh, as a 15-year-old, I then, just after that tour, because we, we went to Sri Lanka for the under-19 World Cup, you know, the year after, I then met the, the, the national squad. So, it just happened, you know, too quickly. And then two years later, I was then um, appointed the, the vice-captain for the team. And then two years later, I was the national captain. So everything just happened so quickly for me to, you know, to really comprehend.
2: Uh, and your brother, Kudzai, isn't it, was, was playing cricket as well. He, he played six first-class games too. So I guess you had some company there on, on the journey a little bit. Um,
1: not necessarily, to be honest. Kudzai was probably... You know, more talented, as a natural talent. He could hit the ball, you know, sweeter than I than I did. And you know, he was he was a better better cricketer. You know, he had he only given more time, you know, to his fitness side of things and uh, and just trained more, which he didn't want to do. Unfortunately, it was a brother um, a brother fight with him because I tried to get him to. To work a bit harder at his game and he believed that you know his his talent would just take him through which um, which never happens
2: what was your best moment in cricket to tender if i could take you back to any any day in your career which day would you like to relive
1: because it was so good i think it would have to be the time when i um uh when i scored the one one or seven against south africa in Harare. Pretty much that century because I believe I was, you know, I played in the zone for the whole innings. I don't remember doing something. Wrong in that innings. It was just even if when I try to recollect, it, you know, recollect the innings, it's just it was just a perfect, perfect innings for me. That would be the one that I would pick. If I'm to pick another one, I'll probably it'll probably be under-19 World Cup where I was, um, you know, player of the tournament.
2: Why are the gloves tender as well? Because I mean, I'm not playing cricket to a very limited standard as well, and mm-hmm. the gloves were certainly at a younger age always thrown to the person that wasn't necessarily the best keeper but somebody that would stand behind the stumps and didn't necessarily bowl was it conscious decision were, you, were your heroes keepers or my keeping
1: I wasn't I wasn't I didn't choose keeping uh from the start the keeping started when um when one of the keepers didn't turn up for a uh, for a match you know I volunteer to keep
2: it's often the pace isn't it I, I think that's the same I, I kept a couple of times in club cricket and that was because the keeper was last minute uh, replacement and
1: there was nobody else to do it He's going to take the club so yeah. oh, I'll do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know so it, it then so happened that because um, Bill Flower was he was the, the coach and he was umpiring and Andy Flower came to, you know, give a message or to speak to his dad briefly, he actually came onto the field, and it was, I mean, it was an amazing, um, you know, experience or experience for us. It was a nice moment for us to see, the, the you know, the national captain, you know, on the same field that we were at. And so he asked him to, to just um, watch a little bit, uh, which he did. I think he watched about a couple of overs. So while he was watching now, he told me this later. While he was watching, he asked him to have a look at my keeping and, and 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 give his thoughts. And he said I was I was quite natural. And this was my first time keeping. And then on top of that, he then gave Bill Flower a pair of gloves and a pair of um uh, keeping pads. Now that's how I started wicked keeping. Because I mean, you get you've got keeping gloves and keeping pads from a national captain who you look up to. There was there was no turning back from there. But-
2: kind of changed your life a little bit didn't it? that
1: moment that's a moment of inspiration yes it did especially I mean especially on the keeping side and also um that is you know that's the reason I was able to then make all the the age groups being underage because my keeping was really good I mean they all said it was you know I was natural so I I became the number one keeper even when I was underage. So, yes, it, that's, why I also, that's why I also put um, Bill Flower as one of those you know, that, um, that inspired me.
2: Who was your cricket hero when you were young? Who was the poster on the wall? Was there
1: anybody that really inspired you to play the game? Well, initially it was Sachin Tenduka. I used to have a, a hardcover book full of Sachin Tenduka's pictures. You know, obviously because I mean, Sachin Tenduka. is he was the the greatest during the time that we were we were watching. And also, what stood out stood out with him was his height. It was Sachin Tenduka, a, a, a little bit of of Brian Lara, you know, at the, at the very initial stages. And then when I then uh, got into the national team and started to see Andy Flower firsthand. You know, I appreciated how, you know, he prepared himself, you know, physically, mentally, you know, and how he always found a way in doing things and and play, whether it be playing spin in the subcontinent, whether it, you know, uh, in learning to chip the ball over the infield and things like that. He was so thorough in his preparations and we started practicing together. And when I saw that firsthand, he, you know, he then became my hero. He's
2: quite an intense, very focused man, isn't he, Andy Flower? Is that that's something that you really ripped off on? He
1: is, um, I mean, when he sets his mind to something, he, he goes uh, full on. I mean, he's, uh, I always used to, you know, to say to people that he is one soldier you'd want in your team because once he decides on something, there is no stopping him. So he is, um, he is quite like that, and he, he's a goal-getter you will achieve whatever you've set up in uh, you know, order to achieve
0: discover sri lanka at your own pace take tea in style and be bowled over by its beauty with the experts experienced travel group march is an ideal time to visit sri lanka from a weather perspective so why not make sri lanka your winter holiday destination and enjoy 5 days of cricket in one of the world's most picturesque venues experience travel groups Curious Travellers Cricket Tour. There are no boundaries but plenty of extras. Call 0207 924 7133 or visit experiencetravelgroup.com
2: I, I mentioned to you Henry Longer was a guest of on the on the podcast at the end of last year and we obviously spoke a lot about his black armband protests with Andy Flower and and the impact that had on him as a person, but also obviously on, on Zimbabwe cricket and on the world of cricket.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What was your take on that? Was, was, it, was it a huge
1: moment for you as well? Well, um, I remember because I was quite young when they did that. I'd gone to, this is how I got to find out about it. Andy Flower and I used to get interviewed together. I mean, there was like, it was, you know, the two keepers, you know, one older, one younger, and, you know, all sorts of, um, you know, ideas that the journalists you know, loved about our combination and had so many questions, similar questions, and, you know, we would pretty much almost answer, you know, the questions in a similar way. Now, this, this interview was done at our sports club the day before the first game which we were playing against Namibia. So we were sitting back to back and they, were, they asked Andy some questions and then they would ask Andy a question and then they would come to me. And then they asked the question, they said, Andy, um, do you think... England should come. Now, there are talks about England not coming, you know, to fulfill their scripture, yeah. their, their fixture. So do you think England should come to Zimbabwe? And Andy said, no, I don't think they should come. Then he gave his reasons, you know, which, which were pointing to the death of democracy, which is what they stood, um, ended, ended up standing for. And I looked at him to, as to say, Andy, what is this, you know? But then, obviously, my turn hadn't come. And then, you know, the same question was asked me. And I said, I said opposite. I said, I'm a professional cricketer. If England doesn't come, then who am I going to play against? So that's our answer. But I was like, Andy, I don't, I can't understand what you've just, you know, what you've just said. And then, obviously, Andy picked it up. And as we're now walking back to the changing room, Andy said, Tadenda, there are a lot of things that you um, you will start to hear from here on. You've been playing well. You've been improving. You're going to be, you know, a a national leader very soon. And as I've always said, you will grow up very quickly and you will lead the country. So then I said, um, and and, and what was that about? He says, you know, pay no attention to that. Just continue to work hard at your game and pay no attention to it. So, I mean, I used to, I used to and still, you know, respect um, Andrew. I, you know, because it said that, I just, you know, I just uh, decided to just do as he had said. So that's how I got to find out. And the following day, obviously, there was the black ambience. And, you know, when I saw Henry and and, and um and Andy sitting on the balcony. So that's how uh, I got to fi- find out about that. And I, you know, I paid as little attention as possible, you know, because Andy had asked me to, to do that. And then the
2: other side of that, I guess, when Henry and Andy had to, to flee the country, what was the reaction of yourself and the, and the cricketers in Zimbabwe?
1: We didn't get to, to, to realize a lot of what was happening when we were in Harare. Because when we were in Harare, we'd be living in our homes uh, because everyone was you know, pretty much close to the ground. But then when we went to South Africa, it was quite evident because we were staying at a hotel so, we would get to know exactly you know almost everything that I was going that I was going on, so it really started to you know to dawn on on, on the team um when we were in um, in South Africa. you know there were a few uh, scares here and there, and people saying that there had been some um uh, some people that have been sent from from Zimbabwe, you know, etc. That became a bit more evident uh, when we were in South Africa more than when we were in uh, in Zimbabwe. Because remember, we then went to play the the second round in South Africa because we we qualified.
2: And one of the things that Henry said that he felt let down by was the reaction of the black community in Zimbabwe to him. They they almost treated him as a traitor because, and. He, was, he felt personally aggrieved by that because he was effectively trying to stand up for them against what he viewed as being a tyrant in, in Robert Mugabe and his government. Was, well,
1: did, could you see that in the country at the time? Or? Now, what has happened a lot in Zimbabwe cricket is even if something is cricket-related, the moment it, it, uh, someone turns it racial, then the whole picture you know doesn't look like it is it's supposed to look so because race uh the issue of race plays uh you know a, a, a massive role in the country because of the history of of Zimbabwe you know between you know England and 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 Zimbabwe so when this issue happened now the way it would have come across or presented which obviously it will be presented Um, you know, by the media, and now this was a direct, um, you know, attack on the government. Now, however, whichever way it comes out, Henry would have known that it was not going to, uh, it was not going to come out right for him. Uh, Just the same way as I knew when I made my decision, my decision was more, you know, was softer in, for lack of a better word. Than the the decision that Henry made. Henry made Henry's Henry and Andy's were a direct attack at the government. My attack was on the, the um, you know, on the cricket union. But even on that, I knew the consequences, and I knew that it would it would be turned, you know, it would be turned uh, racial because yeah. um, it, it it happens that way. I think Henry would have uh, would have had an idea that it would turn that way um and still even when people speak about um, about Henry it's um uh, most of them won't won't know exactly like I would know because I was in the changing room so the majority what's the majority going to know they're going to know what's um, what's uh, presented to them now that's through uh, media outlets now during that time there wasn't you know, Facebook and all these other social media outlets where someone can, you know, present their story. But it was all either TV or newspaper. So who's, you know, who's, um, who's in charge of those? So all those aspects um, would, would, uh, would point out that Henry, um, you know, would have known that uh, the backlash was not going to be I'm not going to be favorable to him.
2: Last question on Henry, because obviously this is about you to attend this podcast, but can you sing as well? Because he's obviously over in Australia, now he's been on The Voice, <laughs> and he's a uh, singing priest. separate. Are you a singer?
1: No chance, no chance. <laughs> <laughs> Henry is an exceptional singer. I mean, um, not only is he an exceptional singer, he is a multi-talented uh, you know, human being. Do you, do you, uh, did you mention that he can paint and draw? Like He didn't, mm-hmm. he, didn't know he didn't, you know, he does paint and draw really well. He would have, if he wanted, he would have played um, Zimbabwe rugby, I reckon. He would have done athletics. He would have run for, you know, for Zimbabwe. Um, he's a multi-talented, uh, you know, um, human being. And um, the frustrating thing for me, you know, um, about Henry is that we tried to get him to sing um, you know, for us or in the changing room or something. You wouldn't, you wouldn't sing, just, you know, just uh, a couple of times that I heard him sing. But he's got an amazing voice. I, you know, I believe that, um, you know, he will do He will do wonders with that. Back to the questions,
2: tender. We've asked you about the best moment in cricket and you've talked about your, your century. What was your worst moment in cricket? If I could take you back to a period or a day in your life
1: which you wouldn't want to live again, what would that be? I was in Sri Lanka. We were playing a triangular series um, with um, uh, Sri Lanka and West Indies. Now, I had just written my... So I met the squad... Then I made a decision to go back to school to finish my A-level. And then after I finished writing my final exam, I was on the flight the following day to join the national team in Sri Lanka for a Triangular Series. Now, I thought I would take a little bit of time, you know, to get back at the pace of international cricket because I hadn't played, you know, for about um, eight months or so. Uh, no, it wasn't about, it was about four or five months. I got to Sri Lanka. I played a warm-up game and I was I, and I was high scorer. Now, Andy was still captain, so he then called me up and he said, I want you to play, but I want you to play as a batsman." And I, well, I didn't expect that because I thought, you know, I'm going to need a bit more time to get back at the pace of it. I got into the side. First game, I got a zero. It was a hat trick ball, or oh, it was part of the hat trick by Chamindafas. Second game, I, I faced two balls, got got out caught and bowled to um, Carl Hooper. Third game now, this is the, 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 the moment that I, don't, I would not want to leave again. So third game was against Sri Lanka again and I walk in when Mutem really his bowling. And then he bowls um, a dozer, and I nick it behind. And then I thought, you know what? That's it. Um, I'm going to give up cricket. I can't do this because I, you know, I'd faced four balls, three matches, four balls, three ducks. I contemplated, you know, giving up because, you know, I just started to wonder where I would actually get my next run from. So that's the moment that um, that, third in, that third innings, that, that, that zero of Muhtemurilithran is the, is the moment that I would not want to live again. When you
2: were made captain at the age of 20, I mean, 20 is young, isn't it? That is young in anybody's, in any walk of life. And I always remember you, Tatenda, as being a very fresh-faced, youthful-looking person anyway. So at 20, you probably looked about 17. Um, (laughs) What what were the challenges that you faced at that stage? Because that, you know, taking over an international side in a country like Zimbabwe, where the politics run deep, how hard was that?
1: Um, Probably, you know, the um, the hardest time of my life. On the cricket field, not necessarily yes, on the cricket field, but not as much as off the cricket field. On the cricket field, yes, there are challenges. However, because I was young, I was just I was too focused on wanting us to do well and also wanting to you know to do well myself because I was still growing as a cricketer. However, when I started working into you know board meetings and and realizing that, whereas I thought you know, politics and sports don't mix. They always move hand in hand, you know, and I, I never thought, I never thought they, they did. So um, when I started to realize that, that was the toughest, um, you know, you know, part of captaincy for me. Uh, I mean, I started meeting the president, the vice president, the governor, and that's when I realized that, you know, it's, it's more than what I just thought, that it's just a game.
2: And you... Well, Captain, from April 20, 2004 to around about October 2005, when you decided to protest against Zimbabwe, the, the cricket administration, basically, wasn't it? The, the pay levels, the, the running of the game in that country. And I, I've, I've read a piece that you did in The Guardian about going to the sports minister's office.
1: Yeah. Talk
2: us talk yeah. through that and, and the, the ending of your
1: captaincy. It was quite difficult because... Um I got a call or i got a call from a gentleman um who you know then took me to the vice president's uh to the vice president's house one of the vice presidents that was um yeah dr Majuru. and um and there was twenty year old and i'm having a meeting with the vice president and you know this is about cricket, so you know that alone you know paint a picture. And I started to mention what I thought about, you know, the running of the, the sport in the country and, you know, what I felt was being done wrong and things like that. And um, I was then asked to go and, and, and speak to the governor, Dr. Gono, at the, you know, at the time, which I did. And that, you know, ended up with a couple of uh, the administrator, administrators being in jail. And I then also you know, started to get threats, you know, over the phone and, you know, uh, being followed by cars and, you know, seeing people, you know, cars parked outside my gate and things like that. So, and then uh, one minister, he was a minister of um, uh, information, Brighton Mutonga. He called me up and he said he wanted to have a meeting with me. Um, so I obliged. And we discussed, and, and I could tell that someone had already spoken to him because I could tell in his tone, I could tell in the way he spoke that he was not for what I was standing for. So he tried to convince me otherwise, and I was trying to convince him otherwise. And um, he, anyway, it ended up with him showing me pictures of, of dead people. Um handed you know, an envelope, like, didn't they, and full of photographs with it was an envelope, so he threw an envelope on the table. Now, a lot raised. I mean, a lot of thoughts, you know, ran through my mind. I was like, I've watched this on TV, but does this actually happen? But I, I thought it was money. I mean, because you know, it's just a, you know, a brown envelope. And then I was thinking okay, um, what does he want me to do with this? What's the story? Because he didn't say anything. He just threw the the envelope on the table. Then he went to look outside the window. So I then took the envelope and I opened it. It was, you know, pictures of dead people. I didn't, uh, I mean, I couldn't stomach some of the pictures. So I just pretended like I was um, having a look at all of them. But now my mind was also racing and thinking, Okay, uh, what does this mean? What is the message being, you know, uh, put across to me? So I pretended like I was, what, I was, you know, having a look at all of them. So I finished and I just put them back in, and he was still looking outside the window. And I said, uh, "Well, uh, thank you very much um, for the meeting. I have to go for my next meeting, which I had, I was going for another meeting, and he knew about it. So that's how we ended the meeting. You know, we never talked more about." you know, anything else. That was the end of the meeting.
2: So you're 21, coming up to, towards 22 at that stage. You've been confronted by that. What, What's in your mind? What what do you do with that information? What what do you take
1: from that meeting? I, uh, I you know, I've tried to think it over and over and to say, was he threatening me? I could tell some of the pictures where, uh, were taken during the war. So I was also trying to think, is he trying to say, you know, uh, the whites are the ones that killed these people because I could tell that was, you know, a couple of the ones that I saw were during the war. But that also wouldn't make sense because he's married to a white British. Um, I just tried, you know, I was trying to figure it out and I still, because I didn't have another, uh, I never had another meeting with him to, you know, to find out what it was. Um, I just ended up on that. It
2: led you to exile, didn't it, for for a while? You you took it strongly enough to actually remove yourself from
1: Zimbabwe for a while. Yes, well, that, it. Wasn't really from that from that meeting, but it was, you know, all the other things that were happening. We we didn't feel safe to live at our house anymore, even though we had the, the governor, doctor Gono um, had put uh, you know guards at my house. Now these are other uh, these are other things that did not make sense. Because Dr. Gono was a politician and he was he was in the government and he was he was giving us protection, but we were getting threatened with um, you know other ministers who are in the government who are at the same party um, at the same political party. So all those things did not make sense to us. You know, if it was a di- different political uh, party, then I would understand. But it was you know the the same. The politicians that were in the same political party, some, is, some are you know, protecting me and some are threatening me. All that did not make sense to us. And we ended up you know, having to flee our house to live in a hotel for a bit. And then Latinx had to go and live with her sister. And then that's when I decided I had to let it all go.
0: Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. The listenership is going up every single week. Thanks so much for your ears. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for your likes, your subscribes. It's on every platform around the world, so make sure you listen. Tell your friends and contact the show too. Let us know what you think. Give us your ideas for future shows at cricket underscore badger on the Twitter feed. Cricket badger at hotmail.com on the emails. Thank you so much, Badgers. Keep listening
2: when I knew you were coming on the podcast to tender, I, I opened it up on Twitter to ask people if they wanted to ask any questions and one of the guys that responded Paul Potter, who said um, what did you learn from captaining Zimbabwe during a time when no matter how well you performed you were always going to be up against it and he, a supplementary question that he added to that was um, if you were, were put in charge of Zimbabwean cricket now um, what would you do to try and I guess restore
1: the country to former cricketing glories? Uh, it was quite tough being on the field. And there's a, I think there's a period where if I batted well and Heath, because Heath had just come back as well, and if I batted well and Heath bowled well, then we would lose, but, you know, with a little margin, but we were still losing. And then if I didn't bat well and Heath didn't bowl well, I mean, no, no disrespect to the other you know, to the other guys that were in the team at the time because, I mean, most of them were young and, you know, they had to be, you know, let to get to the speed of international cricket. And then if we both didn't play well, I mean, we would really be embarrassed, um, we would really be annihilated. And, and that was really tough because I think, uh, I think I'm a little bit proud and when I get embarrassed like that, I'm like, it's 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 like a it's um it's almost a personal attack um, on me. So that did not go good with me, you know. However, I knew that you know I was young and I had so many years you know to to come. And I would always the one thing that kept me going was one day these guys that are beating you know that are beating us now will soon retire, there will be new guys that will come, and we will be like these ones that are beating us. So that is what kept me going. If it wasn't for that, um, I would have given up on the field um, as well. I would have given up um, captaincy, to be honest. Uh, that's on the cricket field. Now, the follow-up question, look, I've had so many, I've had so many fights with Zimbabwe cricket or administration um, board, you name it. One thing I've never done um, and, you know, that's up to date. One thing that I've never done is I've never said I don't want to, you know, to help out Zimbabwe cricket. No chance. I've always made myself available, even to this, uh, to this very day, to say, look, I, we've had fights. I agree, um, and we don't see things the same way, but I've, I've always got a heart for the next generation. I always, I always do. Now, if I was in charge of Zimbabwe Cricket, the first thing that I would do, I would put proper structures. There aren't any structures um, as as it stands. They might be there on paper, but they aren't. I have been involved in Zimbabwe Cricket, but the structures are not there. They are not being implemented. So one, I would put structures, and number two, I would make sure that whoever whatever cricketing brains or whatever cricketing experience we've got in the country we don't have much like other countries i would make sure that and um, you know i involve every cricketing brain that we still have those are the two main things that i would make sure um i would put in place just a bit of a name
2: check as well to oliver Prendergast who asked a very similar question on twitter as well so thank you to those two for those questions too. Let's get back to these uh, 20 questions to, um, to Tender. Otherwise, I'm gonna keep you all day. and I don't want to do that, thank you very much for your time today. Um, yeah, yes. If you could trade lives to Tender Taibu with any current cricketer for a day, live in their skin, experience what it's like to play like them and be like them, who would you choose to pick? Who? Wow, that's a, that's a
1: very interesting question. I think I would, I would, um, I think I would have to choose, I would have to choose Virat Kohli. Now, the reason for that is um, I would like to see how it is, you know, to to experience how it is, you know, how it is like leading, you know, leading uh, India, and one, just or probably just leading India on the cricket field. And then um, the other question or well, the other thing that I would like to find out is how, how he's able to, you know, to move around in India. I struggle to move around in India even to date. If I, re- well, I retired more than six years ago and I still struggle to move around in India because I get recognized and then there is a mob in no time, what more, you know, someone uh, like Virat Kohli in India? So I think for... Two reasons um, I, would, I would want to, to, to be that Koli for a day. Do you think it'd be easier to captain India than in Zimbabwe? I think it will be... You see, I always believe that there, there are always differences in in, um, in situations. And he also has his tough times. And his tough times may not be as the Zimbabwean tough times. I mean, like, when I captained, we pretty much... Almost lost everything that we played um, under my captaincy, right? I never got, I never got any, I, ne- I never, all that I got from the, all that I got from the, from the, you know, uh, spectators and the fans, um, and the followers of cricket in Zimbabwe was support. I don't remember getting any, uh, any, any bad messages or any bad articles and things like that as a captain. I don't remember that at all. So that part is easy, um, you know, when you're captaining Zimbabwe. Captaining India will be different because you will get a lot of different people with different views um, and will probably, you know, some will probably be nasty, uh, even especially in in this day and age that we're living in where there's social media and and, and things like that. So um, so I, I I suspect that part will be difficult. Um, I suspect you know the selection and the, the selection process is will be, be tough because you know you are selecting from you know you are helping select you know f- f- selection from um, from a lot of players. Whereas in Zimbabwe, uh, every cricketer pretty much knows every other cricketer, you know from club cricket all the way to international. So the pool is not big. That that's got to be hard you know, besides just walking on the field and, um, you know, and performing, of course, I mean, with the uh, with the crowd behind his back, in terms of his actual play, his, his batting, that will be fairly on the easy side because you've got loads of people that are behind you. So that just takes you, you know, an extra mile. So I, I think there will be some tough, you know, uh, you know, also some tough things that he has to go through as a captain of India, but I reckon it will be. If I'm to if I'm to compare the two, I would still think captaining Zimbabwe will be tougher.
2: To Turner, a few minutes ago, we put you in charge of Zimbabwean cricket. I'm going to put you in charge of world cricket now for a day. What okay. would be the first thing you'd do to make cricket better around the world? I think
1: uh, the first thing I'd would, I'd would make sure that all those that have gone on to either be part of the World Cup or have been. I've represented their country in the world, or not represented the country, but the countries that have been at the World Cup. I would make sure that they continue. Now, the reason I say that is I I think, you know, teams like uh, Kenya have uh, have gone off the radar. I'm not so sure about, you know, Canada. I would make sure that every team that has been part of the World Cup would get some help of some sort to continue. That way, we will know that in the future we're going to have a proper World Cup, what I like to call a proper World Cup. Now, the reason why I say a proper World Cup is I am not a fan of, um, you know, few teams for a World Cup because it doesn't really give a proper meaning of a World Cup, whereas other sports are increasing the number of, you know, teams that participate in a World Cup. We are not increasing in other way. In other, we are actually going the other way. So that's one thing that I would do. Um, while I list, you know, I know I, I know ICC is doing a great job in you know in trying to bring um, United States of America in, trying to bring China in. I mean, they've got economies that you know that are great um, in that country. So you know that would they would easily improve or they would quickly improve. However, not at the expense of you know all the other. Resources that have been used for, you know, countries like Kenya, Canada, you know, Papua New Guinea, you know, countries that have shown that they can, um, you know, do well to end up at a World Cup. I would try and make one-day cricket have the same as what ICC is trying to do with T20, because I can see a proper effort to try and include everyone in T20 cricket, but it doesn't look the same for 50. Uh, for 50 over cricket. Good answer. Good answer that. <laughs> Excuse
0: me, Mr. Badger. Sorry to interrupt. I've heard Sri Lanka is a lovely country and a great place to see some cricket. Is there anyone you know who can help me get out there to see the cricket and have a fantastic holiday? It sounds like the perfect time to tell you about the Experienced Travel Group, then. They're a London-based company with a team in Sri Lanka who've put together private tours, which include a fantastic cricket package with great seats, lunches, top boutique hotels, and after-match drinks to meet fellow enthusiasts. Okay. I love my cricket, but my partner also wants this to be a holiday. Can they make that happen? As Sri Lanka specialists, this is where the experienced travel group come into their own. They will put together a tour that helps you to properly discover the country. They cater for people who want to watch England play cricket abroad and also enjoy a fun, immersive and luxurious holiday in Sri Lanka. Are they really as good as they sound? Well, if I didn't think so, I wouldn't be mentioning them now would I? This March will be the third trip they've done. Last year they successfully hosted over 150 cricket and travel fans, 100% of which said they would use the Experienced Travel Group again. It sounds great. How do I book? All you have to do is call 0207 924 7133 or visit experiencetravelgroup.com.
2: To tender, we've come to the end of the cricket questions. The rest of the questions in the 20 questions are a little bit more frivolous. So some of these could be one word answers. Some of them could be a sentence. You can go as, as short or as long as you like with some of okay. these. First one, um, they say rock stars want to be sportsmen, and most of the sportsmen I speak to want to be rock stars. If you could have been famous doing something else, what would you have chosen? Would it have been football? Or would you have liked to have been Bruce Springsteen?
1: I think I almost answered that at the very beginning. I think um, it would have been football. Yeah. Yeah, it would, have to be, it would have to be football.
2: If you could meet anyone living
1: or dead, who would you like to meet to see what they're like? I would like, to, I would love to meet uh, Nelson Mandela. I would, I would have loved to meet, you know, Nelson Mandela. I think uh, for someone, I mean, it takes a lot. I mean, I, I'm a person who, you know, who can really get uh, frustrated, you know, when things are not going so well. Like for example, if when I was, you know, part of Zimbabwe cricket and then I see that things, are, you know, things are not going well, I would really have a goal you know, at whoever is there, whether they were, you know, higher than me, uh, uh, you know, or they were lower than me, whatever it may be, I would have a go to want to make sure that, you know, things are running properly, that, the you know, cricket is preserved for the next generation. Now, so I know how I would feel in my heart. Now, you take Mandela. Mandela went to prison for how many years that he went to prison for, and he came back, you know, with he tend whatever guile he had, he tended to he tended to love. That takes a, a special human being to do. I mean, yes, love is the greatest force there is in the world, though sometimes maybe you know deemed weak, but you know it is the greatest force and remains to be the greatest force. For him to do that and forget all that he's gone through, just to preserve. The, the the country for the next you know uh, generation um, and to bring unity like he did. I mean, it's he it remains a special person to me.
2: Yeah, inc- incredible individual. It says on the uh, cricket info page of yours that your nickname was Tibby. Is
1: that right? Or my nickname was it, my nickname was Tibby, but you know all that that all those that played against me or played with me would know me as Tiba. Now I used Tibber. to have oh, Tiba. Yeah, so I used to have so many nicknames however chibli was the first one that i that that i got i only i think i only had that nickname for uh, a couple of years and that's the time i broke into the national team and so you know that's what's written on them uh, on, on on all the pages but a lot of the people know me as Chiba in terms of nicknames Okay the reason I ask
2: is that uh, they're going to make a movie about your life Tiba the movie is coming out next okay. year who is going to play you the tender in your movie
1: <laughs> uh i <laughs> oh dear. I would I'm a big fan of my I'm a big fan of my son's acting um my my boy can act however he doesn't he doesn't. Um, he doesn't want to take. He doesn't want to take that as a career. I've always dreamt that you know, one day when they do a movie about me, you know, he would be the will be the little tender. Uh, However, if uh, a movie was, was to be done, uh, did you say next month or next year? It's next, next year. It's next year. It's coming next year. Out next year, next year uh, the one that I would have, the one that I would have loved to be. Uh, to be Tatenda is too old to be Tatenda. I'm a big fan of uh, Morgan Freeman, but uh, you know he can't be Tatenda.
0: Uh,
2: have you seen the on Netflix as The Irishman and Robert De Niro etc. in The Irishman? And they, Martin Scorsese's got this technique now where he can make people look younger on
1: screen. So you could have Morgan Freeman and make mm. him look like you. Yep, yep. That would be that would be wonderful because I love I love his I love the command that's in his voice. Um, I just, I, I love how he is. Yeah, that would yeah. be perfect for
2: me. My favorite film is The Shawshank Redemption and I think his voice in that oh, is yeah. just uh, astonishing throughout yeah. it. It's fantastic. What is the last time you can remember feeling really nervous? Uh, who? Maybe know. you just take things in your stride here.
1: You, do you just uh, water I, up a duck back? I don't, I do Because I've been a person who, because I, I hear a lot of people say you know, being in the limelight or, or, or having to, you know, speak to, to speak in front of people and things like that makes them really nervous. You know, I started doing that at a young age. And I think whether it is that I control the nerves or, you know, I, I wouldn't know because um, I don't, I, I don't remember, to be honest. I don't remember the last time I really felt nervous. That's okay. Bucket list, the things to do before you die.
2: What's number one on your bucket list? What would you love to do before you uh, leave this planet?
1: I want to, go to, I want to go to Japan and live there for a, for a little bit, whether be it be a month or two. Just, I love their, their, their culture. I like their tradition. You know, their way everything seems to be, you know, I'm, I'm judging from, from the movies I've watched, I'm judging from, you know, the people that I've gone there, that I've spoken to. They seem to have a rich, you know, a rich culture and a culture of honor that I, you know, would love to experience. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the
2: fonts, on a scale of 1 to 10, how cool are yes. you? I am a 6. A 6, okay. If you have access to a time machine... Where and when would you go? You can go forwards or backwards, but is there a time in that you'd like to go back and experience what it was like to live in those days? I'll probably go to the, um,
1: probably to the 1900s, the year 1900. I used to, I love when I watch the pictures of, uh, you know, the, the men and women during, let me say the, the Western men and women during that era. I adore their dressing. The women used to, you know, dress. You have these long dresses, and the men would have, you know, almost be in all in suits, and with a yeah. hat on. I just uh, there's just something about that dressing that that I
2: like. You've been lucky enough to follow the sun playing cricket. You mentioned that you're living in Liverpool, but you spend time in Zimbabwe, Sri Lanka, India. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Would it be Japan? You just mentioned Japan as well, didn't you? But if you could choose anywhere yes. in the world to
1: live, where would it be? I think, you see, because I've, because I've traveled a fair bit, uh, I've got you know, some things that I would really like about this, you know, this country and, and things that I don't like about this country. And I've come to the conclusion that there is no, as long as we are here on Earth, there is no perfect place because there are pros and cons in every country. However, having put all the pros and cons, I think as it stands, I would have to choose um, Adelaide for now in Australia. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would you change? Hmm. Who asked that question? <laughs> you, mentioned, um,
2: you mentioned height earlier. Would you stretch yourself a little bit, and make yourself taller, or would you?
1: no, no, no. Um, I think that's a really good question. I think I would be more political. I think I'm too straightforward. Like um, you know, what you see is what you get. You ask me a question, I I just answer the question. I don't really you know study to see if it's you know the right thing uh, you know with the right people around and things like that. I just answer is, you know, is asked. So um, I think if I could be, you know, if I could be, uh, if I could be a bit more political, this I think diplomatic. I'll be able to... Diplomatic. I, I am fairly diplomatic. Now I'm talking, probably the reason I'm saying this is because I, you know, I grew up in Zimbabwe. I spent, you know, I spend a fair bit of time in Zimbabwe. And I think I can... If I had been a bit more, I, I, I want to use the word political because I reckon I would probably, you know, still be in the Zimbabwe cricket circles and uh, be able to 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 help more because you can only help when you are when you are in this in the organisation. And the reason why I'm not in the organisation is because of my bluntness and just you know saying things as they are, in which sometimes. Uh, you know, can rub the can rub the wrong feathers. Yeah, that's what I would change. I think about me. Tatenda,
2: thank you very much for your time this week on the podcast. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. What will you Thanks. be
1: doing in ten years' time? In ten years' time, I would be I uh, will be exporting. I would have a, a huge farm in Zimbabwe, and I'm going to be exporting avocados to different parts of the. Of the world, I'll be using the proceeds for you know for my thriving business to help to help Zimbabwe uh, to to maybe be one of the world's best team uh, in the world. I will be traveling a fair bit to visit my uh, my two sons. I reckon my older boy. will will realize his dream and will end up being a a neurosurgeon. And my younger boy will be playing football. And so I'll be traveling a fair bit to also, you know, uh, spend a bit of time with them and see and watch my other boy, you know, uh, playing football around the world. That's that
2: sounds like a good life. That's a good answer. That's a very good answer. It's been brilliant yeah. having you on the uh, on, on the podcast, attender. It's been an absolutely pleasure to speak to you. Um, never never met you, never spoke to you before. I've always admired you from a distance, and it's been great to uh, catch That's up on the uh, Cricket Badger Podcast this week. Thanks,
0: Dan. It's that badger style. Thank you very very much indeed to Atender Tai for his time this week. Hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did chatting to him about all things Zimbabwe cricket. I think his views are very good on cricket in general. So all the best to him for the remainder of the year 2020, beyond that, for the rest of his life. And stay tuned to the Cricket Badger podcast because as I said at the top of the show, I've got plenty of really good guests lined up for you as we go through the remainder of this year. Plenty already inked into the diary. Thanks again to the Experienced Travel Group for supporting the podcast throughout the month of January. Thanks to you for listening this this week so stay tuned subscribe like contact us on at cricket underscore badger on twitter do what you can to spread the word and get other people listening to the cricket badger podcast and until next week badgers enjoy your cricket
1: sports social podcast network